Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad once again that you've joined us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we are in episode five with the amazing Sandra Tanner. For sure. We are are so blessed to do this series with Sandra. Sandra, there's so much richness in this woman and her 60 years of experience and knowledge that we hope that you will be blessed by this. Please go back and listen to the other episodes. In episode five, we've gotten to a place where Sandra and her husband, Gerald, have a room in their home in Salt Lake that now is full of books about Mormonism and that people come to the home to see them. And yet she has small children. And so here's a mother and a wife um, kind of doing double duty with ministry and raising children. That would have been the 1960s. Tell us how then you got from having the ministry in your home to somewhere else. Well, we did it in our home for many years. Someone mentioned to us that uh, you guys really ought to get your own facility and uh, where people would feel more comfortable to come in, where they're walking into a business setting rather than feeling like they're intruding into your house. Sure. And so uh, this little building next door to us, little house, uh, three-room house dating to 1888, something like that. Wow. Wow. You know, anyways, it uh, had quit being used and was sitting vacant and uh, was in need of tender, loving care. Uh, And God provided the means for us to buy this little house. And then our intention was to add on to the back of it. Well, that turned into be a bigger job than we thought, and it ended up taking more money than we thought, um, because we put a big addition on the back of this little three-room place. So when you come into the bookstore now, you come into what was the front room and kitchen of the little house, and my Mm -hmm. office is in the bedroom, so it was just those three rooms. (laughs) Wow. And then we added on all the back. Um, And it was uh, one of the miracles that happened in this uh, whole thing was as we were struggling on having all the money we needed for this addition, which ended up being more money because we ran into all kinds of problems. There ended up being a spring under the house that we had to put in a sump pump for special. Mm. And there were just a lot of things we kept running into. And uh, one of the miracles was this uh, realtor in Park City calls up and she says, are you the people that own the eight acres on Deer Creek Reservoir? And I said, yes. Now I have to tell you how we got that. I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't know you own property on Deer Creek Reservoir. Yeah, well, 
several years before, a Christian man who lived up in Heber Valley um, came in and said he wanted to give the ministry this eight acres of property on the reservoir. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm quite surprised by this. This is someone I'd known for some years. And he says, well, if I die, I'm afraid my kids are going to use that property uh, for their own benefit. And God told me to buy that piece of land. I didn't know what for, but God told me to buy it. That was going to be used for his glory. And uh, he mm. says, I'm afraid that uh, my kids won't honor that. So I want to take care of it now before I die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So we go mm. down to the title company or wherever it was for him to sign quick deed this property over to us. And uh, this lady that's waiting on us, she thinks I brought in this old man to try and take his money from him. And so here's Mr. Flora. And he says, yeah, I want to sign it all over to her. And she says, do you know, Mr. Flora, when you sign that, you won't own it anymore. And they have this big discussion. He says, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. I want to give it to you. Well, Mr. Flora, you've got to understand, you can't get it back. You know? And I felt so small because it was so oh. obvious what she's thinking as I was just some young woman taking advantage of this old man. Yeah. And he kept trying to tell her, no, I want to give it to them, giving it to these guys for God's glory. And so anyways, uh, he signed it over to us. People in Hebrew that uh, were aware of all this stuff, they were... Uh, upset at him because they felt he was taking money from that his kids should inherit and you know like it's any of their business but anyways yeah right. mm -hmm. that was my exact thought you could read that couldn't you <laughs> and so anyways we got this property well we didn't know what to do with it it's uh, eight acres of farmland and uh under green belt and so we just kept it under green belt and the neighbors ran cattle on it for a while. Uh, so to be qualified under green belt and we just went on with life. And so here's several years go by. Well, we get into this building stuff and we're needing more money because there's many things when you do building, something always goes wrong. Oh. It comes up that you hadn't counted on. Always, and always. Yeah. <laughs> As you one notice who's I'm done... You notice I'm in a different part of the house tonight? Yeah, yes. I saw that, Lynn. <laughs> we have workers working on the house downstairs, and it's loud. I know this story, Sandra. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, where was I at? Oh, so we were short of funds for, for the remodel and all the problems that kept coming up. We went through a big <laughs> issue of whether we could have a parking space in front of the building, which there's plenty of room for. And that went back and forth and how we did the exit out of the basement. And it, it just went on and on, re, re, coming up with more expenses. <laughs> so this realtor from Park City calls and says, do you guys own the eight acres on Deer Creek? I said, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, she says, well, I have someone that's interested in buying it. Would you be interested in selling? I mean, it's only out of the blue. We haven't listed this or anything. And... I says, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but uh, yeah, I guess. I said, if if it was a fair offer and not someone just uh, expecting me to give it away, you know. Right, yeah. And this is before the Olympics. The Olympics had just been announced, I think, um, that were coming in 10 years or whatever from 
but when they had announced it would be in uh, Park City uh, back, what would that have been? They announced oh, about 1990 or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like 10 years before or something, mm-hmm. uh, approximately. And uh, so that had made everyone more interested in property up in Heber. <laughs> Uh, even uh, temporary housing to lease something so you'd have a place to stay during the olympics or whatever mm-hmm. so i says well you know it depends on how fair it all is well it ends up um it's a longer story but it ends up that we are able to sell the property and from that to pay off all the debt on the remodel and had money left over in the bank to help uh kickstart everything in the new building and I mean, wow. it, was just, it was an answer to prayer. I didn't even know to pray. I mean, we were praying. <laughs> yes. We were praying that uh, God would help us to get the money to finish the remodel. But it, I don't, it just never entered my mind about selling these eight acres. I hadn't even thought that'd be worth that much money because they're just farmland out there. Yeah. And, but this was a fellow that had wanted to move to Heber from California and he was willing to pay for it. So, okay, thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, wow. uh, So then we moved everything next door, um, which left our big 13 room Victorian house pretty much empty. It was just me and Gerald and the dog. Uh, So trying to get the story straight here. So then uh, we had- By that time your kids are grown and have moved. Yes, they were all by uh, about 95, I think, was when we moved in here. And they were all married. And uh, I think we're all living out of state at that point. Uh Uh, Through through those. Well, so so what you have is us living in Salt Lake City from 1960 on with us using our front room uh, up until about 95. We didn't become a nonprofit organization until 83. Before that, we were just a business doing reprints of early Mormon documents. And in 83, we went full time. And then finally in 95, moving into our own building uh, for the ministry. And God has really used this little bookstore. I have Mm. stopped in all the time to talk to me because they uh, they don't have anyone else to go share their trauma <laughs> of yeah. going through this discovery that Mormonism wasn't what they had been brought up to think it was. And they want someone that will understand that they can just talk to. And, and, and so I don't know how many people have come through this bookstore, but the hundreds, thousands, I don't know. Um, and God has used it in marvelous ways to uh give an opportunity for someone to talk to people leaving Mormonism about trusting Christ, not in man-made religion. Uh, so it's been a real uh, challenge, but it's been a real joy of seeing how God has used that. Now, along the way, uh, we've had lawsuits and all kind of problems and uh, problems with the people in stores, uh, people that didn't want to do business with us because we were apostates. Uh, But there kept being more and more people coming in that were with a positive attitude where they wanted to know more about Christianity and about God. So that's been a real joy. In this last uh, couple of years, 
<clears throat> we had a couple come in that were raised in one of the polygamous groups mm -hmm. and I won't name it or them because uh, sure. uh, of situations that yeah. go along with that. Yeah. Uh, but this couple came in and the man was very, uh, what would I say, belligerent uh, or, or very set, you know, folds his arms and he's just, hmm, okay, what do you got to say? You know, I mean, just <laughs> go <laughs> ahead. I dare you to try and convince me. Mm -hmm. And the woman, uh, God had started to work on her heart through Christian radio here in Utah. And I think it was Caleb. She was listening to the music, uh, Christian mm -hmm. music. She had been going through a bad divorce and uh, a lot of stress and problems. Now she's questioning, first she questioned polygamy, then she's questioning the LDS. And, uh, but to go to work and back, she was listening to the Christian music. And through that, she started to see uh, that God could offer her hope uh, where wow. her life seemed so uh, chaotic, so challenging. Uh, she was clinging to those promises in those different songs that God was there for her. God loved her. God was going to see her through. And, uh, but then the man is like, man, I don't know. So, <laughs> and this is the same man she's in the process of divorcing. No, or this was somebody new now. Okay. Well, she's divorced at this point okay. and has a boyfriend and, uh, but they both were raised in a, the same polygamist group Okay. and she had known him for some time. But so after her divorce from this other fellow, uh, she's dating this guy, uh, but he doesn't know the Lord and he's, he's, uh, sarcastic. He's very sarcastic, funny, sarcastic, he makes his joke out of everything. So she brings him in and we start talking and gradually you could see him kind of uh, softening and uh, less uh, making a joke out of everything, uh, getting a little more serious about the discussion. Well, they came in for, I don't know, several weeks. And over that time, you could see this uh, gradual change over to someone who was taking the topic more seriously to, to thinking more deeply about God. Yeah. And by the end of the whole thing, they both were came to faith in Christ. Uh, I went to their marriage uh, and when I went to their baptism. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and before the baptism, uh, because up to this point, he had not been free to talk about his polygamous background or what all they'd been through. Um, he, he didn't want to talk publicly about it yet. He was still kind of um, worried about uh, what other people would think. Uh, I think he was sure. even worried about people in the church judging him for living polygamy for a while. Yeah. And uh, so there's certain, you know, self-protectiveness here about how much you tell people because they think you're really crazy when they hear your life story, you know. <laughs> and uh, he gave the most beautiful a statement of faith to the congregation of what God had delivered him from and the glory that he found in Christ and the forgiveness. Uh, and it was probably one of the most moving baptisms I've ever been to, to see them fully open, fully honest, fully vulnerable, mm -hmm. 
saying that Christ was enough. They didn't need any of this stuff they were raised with. They were not looking to man. They were looking only to Christ. Wow. Those are the kind of things that make your life worth living. It's just so thrilling when you see those kind of things happen. Yeah, because I know there has been considerable opposition um, to you both probably by the LDS church directly and probably a lot of it indirectly through other means. Are there anything, so there any place like that when there would be opposition where God kind of showed up and resolved things um, that could have been, (laughs) that could have been worse or? Uh, Well, I think through the building of the add-on to the ministry, I think we saw it all through that times when it seemed like roadblocks were thrown up. <clears throat> and and then they were uh, immediately resolved. <clears throat> Sometimes when I didn't even know they were out there. <clears throat> wow. So, uh, yeah, the, we've gone through uh, several lawsuits. Uh, first, a BYU guy sued us over a copyright issue, which we had to. T- we were ruled against. We appealed to the. This is a federal case, copyright. And so we appealed to the, what is it, Fifth Circuit Court in Denver and got it reversed. So that was a praise. Um, the Mormon Church sued us in uh, 1999 over a copyright issue because <clears throat> everyone kept asking me, how do I take my name off the rolls? The Mormons were making it very difficult to resign. Yes. So a lot of people will say, well, what difference does it make just leave? Well, this isn't like other churches where if you don't come for a certain length of time, they just strike you from the rolls, or you may transfer your membership from one church to another. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not an issue to resign your name, but in Mormonism, it is. <laughs> and uh, they have little hoops you have to go through, what you have to do, how you have to do it. And it was very difficult. The problem being that the church would did not post on their website instructions on how you're supposed to do it. Mm. That's, that's like me telling you, you got to file income tax report, but I never tell you what the report is. Yeah. I just keep telling you, you did it wrong. You know, yeah. you can't go forward. You did it wrong. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to solve this one. I'm going to put up on the internet from their own Bishop's handbook, what it says about resigning your membership, <clears throat> how it affects your temple ceiling. And things like that. Uh, we didn't sell it. We weren't charging for anything. The Mormons weren't losing any money. We weren't printing anything. We just simply posted part of the bishop's handbook that gave these instructions. It was right. just for information to help people. Well, they slapped us with the copyright lawsuit. Um, so in the midst of all that, the judge had made a ruling on a certain aspect of the charges um and so she made a ruling that would have affected how people use the internet and remember this is back in 99 and 2000 and there was hardly any laws that ruled internet yeah that's right a young thing and people hadn't figured out how all the laws related to things that happened on the internet so she ruled that if you posted a link on your website that had any copyright violation on its site, you would be equally guilty of the copyright. 
Wow. Now, when you think about that, think of the implications. You would not dare ever put up a link on your website for fear that it would have compromised material that you didn't even know about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. someone could come at you for that. Mm-hmm. And so we appealed it because we knew it, it, it this, this is illogical. You can't have this kind of ruling on the internet. Uh, and we got it um, vacated. The whole thing got solved on that point. But the, um, I don't know, court ombudsman or whatever it was, uh, talked to both lawyers. Is there some way we can get this whole thing taken care of because the Fifth Circuit Court was so backed up in all of its uh, cases that they wanted to, to get rid of this whole thing. Yeah. And a mediation, huh? Mediation, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, sure, I'm for mediation. Uh, there's just several things. Uh, I will not plead guilty. I won't pay the church any money. And I want this decision of this judge vacated. Uh, because it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. and um, uh, there might have been another thing on there I don't remember now but um, the church's side uh, they wanted me to agree that I would not post more than 50 words at a time in any newsletter or book or anything quoting from the handbook well I didn't have any reason I you know I thought about well no I don't see any reason in the future where I I would need to quote 50 words out of the handbook. So, okay. I mean, it's more strict than copyright would be, but I right. it matter because I, okay, I can live with that. Right. But then they wanted me to take down off my computer, every copy uh, that I have of the church handbook. They wanted me to destroy the copies I had in my files. Uh, and, you know, so they had a list of these kinds of things. And I talked to my attorney and he says, I said, well, this is real strict. It's beyond copyright kinds of agreements. And he says, it doesn't matter. Just sign it because it says nothing about you having them tomorrow. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's just as of today. Yes, you need to have them all gone. Everything has to be gone from the bookstore uh, relating to, uh, not relating to, but uh, the having the copy of the handbook on it. Right. or in my files or anything. That's okay. Yeah, I can sign on that. So the whole lawsuit then went away. And I think the reason the church was willing to vacate the whole thing with this judge's ruling is I think some lawyer must have told them, look, you don't want to win this case because if you win it with her ruling, everyone's going to hate you because you're going to ruin the internet. No one can link to anything for fear of copyright violation. Yeah, that's true. And if there's anything the Mormon church doesn't like, it's bad press yeah, or or negative publicity. Yes. So the whole thing went away and we didn't have to pay the church any money. (laughs) Uh, So there have been all sorts of uh, crazy things that have happened through the years that God's taken us through and provided the money to pay for the lawyers. Uh, So I I was going to ask you about that because... Uh, lawsuits are expensive oh yes that takes a lot of money yeah Yeah. Uh, but God provided there has just been time after time when our backs were to the wall on something about finances and then just out of the blue something will happen to pay it and it just comes in so we have never had to have a big campaign to raise funds 
because God's just always surprised me with an answer. And you go, well, thank you, Lord. I didn't even know I needed to pray that, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which tells me, right, that you're in the set. It's a good um, confirmation for a Christian, right, that you're in the center of God's will. Right, right. Do yep. you know that Sandra is the reason that I am in ministry? Really? Um, I don't think I knew that. No. How? So, okay, I you're going to have to explain that a little bit. That's we're really getting cool. to the end of the episode, right, right Joel? And yes. so maybe that's a good teaser for next time we can start with that. No, Sandra Tanner, God used her mightily um, to place my husband and myself in ministry. And so <laughs> this is an amazing God. This is an amazing God. He does show up. Seems 11th hour. Sometimes, mm -hmm. yeah. right? sometimes. No, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's right at the time. <laughs> no, sometimes you have the provision. This is funny. We'd be on tour, right, with Adams Road, and they've got this really old tour bus. And uh, I remember one time Micah getting um, several thousand dollars from a church, which is really unusual, right? And yeah. turning to me and saying, well, the bus is probably about to go out, right? Just that whole <laughs> idea that God provides, but maybe it hasn't <laughs> happened yet because we don't typically have extra money. Oh, God is good though. Yes. Thank you, Sandra, so much. We will okay. continue this conversation next week and we'll start with how the Wilders got into ministry. Thank God oh, to right. Sandra. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that story. That's what I haven't heard yet. So that'll be, that'll be very fun. All right. Well, grace and peace to you, Amen. Joel and Sandra. Until next time. All so right. long. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.